Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Hi, this is Ryan Fraser. This is Troy Dini. This is Gus Boyet. This is Don Hutchison. This is Jürgen Klopp, and you're listening to the big interview with Graham Hunter. Thank you, Jürgen. I travelled to all these interviews from Barcelona, and our socios, our beloved members, keep us on the road. This independent podcast would not happen without them. Please go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter right now to become a socio, to become one of our members and get an extra big interview every month, plus loads of bonus content. So go to patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Graham Hunter, and we'll bring you joy. Hello friends and newcomers, this is The Big Interview with Alex Bruce. Alex and I met not too far from Kamarnik, which is where he currently plays his football. He isn't too far into his journey around Scottish football. He signed right at the end of the January window. He hasn't even been to the home of football yet, but Audrey, in case there's any doubt. So we spoke more about life in the most cutthroat league that there is, the Championship what it's like getting out of there, as he did with Hull, and making it all the way to an FA Cup final, which is kind of a loop in the story, given that our story does begin at the FA Cup final, watching his father, Steve, pick up the cup. Alex tells us that he's long made peace with being known as Steve Bruce's son, and I wanted to talk not just about his dad, but about growing up as the son of the Manchester United captain, watching the beginning of that Alex Ferguson era, and imagining that one day, hey... That could be me at Wembley, and it was. Thank you to Alex, a most interesting guest, for taking part in the big interview. I know you'll enjoy this, and there'll be more soon. Stay tuned. To what extent, given that you were born with talent... Mm-hmm. And you've done what all of us would have loved to have done: spent a life playing football, earning a living playing football. Yeah, highs and lows, but a lot of experience at Wembley, mm-hmm. a couple of playoff wins. Yeah, um, a, a brutal disappointment in losing an FA Cup final. But let's get to it. You played an FA Cup final, yeah. played internationally. To what extent is that life of immersion with footballers around you all the time? And a football, the, the, the idiosyncratic demands of a football life around you all the time, a preparation for what then becomes an entirely different version of the football. Because rather than being as part of a, a big family, yeah. one of the things about football life is you're on your own. Yeah, yeah. So what kind of preparation is it when you've got what you had for what comes next? It gives you a little insight because you've always got someone there who has been there and done it. So you've... First hand, I had someone who I could go to and ask for advice, and but nothing prepares you until you're thrown into the deep end of being a professional. There's nothing. I'm, I had an old steely 
coach called Bobby Downs, who's very experienced youth team manager at Blackburn. And I remember him saying, I left school at 16 and we went into a room and he said, congratulations, lads. Look round the room. He says, one of you will probably make it in here. <laughs> and I remember looking round thinking, there's, God, there's 20 of us in here. And he's a good player. He's a good player. He's better than me. And I remember thinking, wow, this, this is, this is going to be tough. And, and, it, ha- and it, what it has been. It's any professional who's had an experience in playing the game, it's full of ups and downs. If I was going to give any advice to anybody going in to have a career in professional football, that's what the one thing I would say. Prepare yourself because the emotions it can change from week to week. You can be riding high one week, next week you can get injured, there can be a disappointment around the corner. So uh, mentally you've got, you've got to be prepared to go into it because it's challenging. I've always felt that it can be a, a quite a pitiless existence because I think everybody is taught not only just to look after themselves but to try and push other people down, mm. whether you're talking within a dressing room or a manager who might need you but not like you or an owner who doesn't want you know, you know all the strata of it. Yet we all stay hopelessly in love with it, which yeah. is the, you know... The well, that's, that's the beauty of football, isn't it? We all keep going back for more. And like what you say, there's, there's, there's nothing prepared. I mean, I was looking at Jordan Jones, for example, who was at Kilmarnock with myself last year. He set up a goal in Europe last week, came on and, and did really well. Came on again in the old firm, was doing, was doing well. And within a blink of an eye, he goes into a stupid tackle, gets sent off hurts himself out for a couple of months. That's, that's what football's like. I spoke to him the other day and I said, you've just got to learn from it because that's what, that's what football is and that's the perfect example of, of what it can be like. There's no industry like it, really. It's, it is dog-eat-dog, dog, like you say, mm. and that never changes when you're 18, 19, to like I am now, 34, 35. You've got to look after yourself. You have to have a, a, a determination, a steely determination to succeed. And that, that never changes. It's this brilliant piece that we'll, we'll come back and touch on a little bit because it said a lot of interesting things. Yeah. But yeah, this brilliant piece for Unscripted, which I suppose was for the club, for Manchester United. I yeah, know. yeah, yeah. It did what a lot of us, it, it talked about what a lot of us dream about. Like, So, for example, you go down to Wembley as a United fan then. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you are or you aren't now. Maybe one of the United. And you see your dad lifting the cup. You see your dad winning something at Wembley. That must inject in it, because we all get, well, if, if all of us love this, but we all get born with the idea that maybe glory could happen to us. And even, you know, at 56, you go to sleep at night dreaming of scoring that goal. When it's all gone and it was never really there, yeah. you still do. And I wonder to, to what extent you've been able to keep alive the, the beauty of it, the, the romanticism of it, when football buffets you all the time, particularly people. Well, I, I look back at my childhood and I, I think of... Things like what you're saying there, going to FA Cup finals and seeing things, going to training with my dad on a Sunday and being around what people would see as so-called soup. To me, it was the norm. They were just my, my dad's workmates, my dad's work colleagues. Going down to Wembley with my mum, uh, with all the players' wives and families, and then coming back on the train with the with the FA Cup or whatever trophy that they've won. These are memories that I have that I'll cherish forever, but the one thing that it did give me was a determination to think, God, I hope I can do this when I'm older. I could see the success that my dad was having and the quality of life it gave me, us as a family, us as a, around us. As, like, obviously, you live in a nice house, you go on nice holidays. You, and I always looked up to him and thought, I hope one day I can provide that for my family by doing what dad's done. So I knew I had to work hard and, 
and, and, and make sacrifices to do that. So that might have been a conscious thought even before you knew you were particularly good. Yeah, yeah, it was, I mean, this was from when I was very young. Yeah. I'd, I'd go away and see things and as a, as a child growing up, you, you go to, I mean, like we say, when I played in the FA Cup final, I still remember going to the 1990 Cup final when Man United played Crystal Palace, very clearly. And I'd probably been six, seven years of age and I remember thinking, God, I hope to God I can walk out at Wembley and the Twin Towers as it was back then and fortunate for me it happened. Can you remember the day much? The Crystal I, Palace, first of all. No, because your, your one is just about as dramatic. Yeah, it was, And yeah. heartbreaking, heartbreaking for, yeah. for lovers of underdogs. Yeah, yeah. Let's be frank, it's Arsenal. Uh, it was, yeah. I, I, I can remember the white kit and I can remember the first, the first tie because it went to a replay a couple of nights later. I remember Lee Martin scored the... Re- I didn't go to that because it was a school night, but the, the first one was the weekend. The so first I, one we like to call, Aberdeen fans like to call the Jim Layton game. The Jim Layton game, that's correct, yeah. I can remember it. I think I can't remember the score off the top of my head, but I remember it being a high-scoring game. I remember Ian Wright coming on as a sub, I think, in that game and scored. Wright and Bright were up front. Um, there were some good players on on, on view. Um, I think Brian Robson scored. And I was just starting to, as a young lad, just starting to get a feel for like football and what it was all about and having my heroes. And it was uh, just a fantastic experience to go to and a spectacle. And and like any kid, when you go to an, to a, um, a spectacle like that, an arena like that gives you a taste of something that you want to try and follow your dream of, of becoming a, and doing something yourself. So when, I suppose when, you know, you go back yourself, that's not really in your mind all that much because no. you're a top pro, mm-hmm. you've got huge experience. But the, did you inherit this beyond, I went there when I was young, my dad won this, did, did the magic of the cup, which people talk a lot about now being a little bit sullied because the, four, the top four in the Premier League did the magic of the cup always infect you? Was I don't know where I'm, I don't know if I'm speaking for myself here because I, 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 I look back at instances like what I've said where I went to watch my dad play in FA Cup finals and I had that thought in my head I would love to get there one day myself so for me the, playing in the FA Cup final was without a shadow without the biggest day of my career it was it was something that I think back of what the experience was like walking out uh, the anthems and the, I think I remember Alexandra Burke play, singing, singing the song before the game and I just remember standing there thinking this is just the pinnacle, like hairs on the back of your neck was one out, were up. And what are you like in a situation like that? Are you bottled up tension? Are you completely relaxed and ready for the battle? You've already... You've already noted more things and a lot of players yeah. who I speak to who are like no the, the actual day passed me by because it was all about the game and no I, that was one thing I wanted to do because I haven't been a top player I haven't been like a Roy Keane or a, or a dad or a Brian Robson or a Gerrard or, who play in them every every year I knew Hull City getting to an FA Cup final was we were the underdogs we were lucky to get there we had, a, we had quite an easy run getting to the final but we did have a couple of games the quarter semi-final were quite difficult, if I can remember rightly. But to get to the FA Cup final, I knew it was probably going to be a one-off uh, to play on a stage like that. So I wanted to try and grab it with both hands and, and enjoy the day. I remember waking up in the morning and walking around the golf course at the Grove Hotel. Um, the helicopters were going round, just TV. And I remember thinking, it's a big day, this. Butterflies? Butterflies. I was nervous, very nervous. But um, on the bus driving up to Wembley and... One of them life experiences where you look back and you think this is just all the hard work, all the disappointments, everything 
like you grow to you grow up to try and achieve something in your life as a footballer. It was one of those days where I felt as if like, this is what this is what you play football for, and it was it was a great day. The only thing that put a sour note on it was, was obviously the results. You, you mentioned, I mean, from my notes, are you, are you somebody who liked having played the semi final at Wembley? Because I think you beat we beat Sheffield by Derby when a Sheffield United yeah. in a really dull, low scoring. Go thriller, <laughs> yeah. Which you watched from the bench. I was on the bench that what game. What the hell? I know. Cheers, Dad. <laughs> I remember having the up with him as well because he left me out. No, he changed the form. We went. We went we, that season. We played a lot three-five-two against the the teams where we were the underdogs. Really, we made ourselves a bit more solid defensively. Um, but in certain games where he felt as if we could go and get after teams, he changed to a four-three-three, and we played four-three-three that day in the semi-final against Sheffield United. And it worked for us because it was a high-scoring game and it was a tough game, if I remember rightly. The first day where Dad noticed a certain Harry Maguire. remember him coming off purring about Harry that day. Mm. And then we went back to a three, obviously playing against uh, Arsenal in the final was a, a different kind of game. We went into it with different tactics and, and a formation, so fortunately I got the nod to play. And then, so you're, you're, you're talking about the bottled-up tension and adrenaline and whatever, and you know, you're on the bus... Are you one who's reaching out to other players you can see are suffering? Was it just bonhomie and lads out together and we've got nothing to lose here? What was It was a little bit like that. I think it was more of a case of, come on, lads, this is what you work hard all your life for, let's go and have a good go at it. And, and I think you could tell by the, the opening stages of the game, we came out really strong and went two, two goals up. You're 2-0 up in eight minutes. Yeah, that could tell its own story. Probably went ahead looking back now in the game too, too quick, really. Why do people say that? Do you, do you believe that now, retrospectively? I know the math says that they went and scored three goals, one of them in deep, in, well, in extra time. Yeah, I remember, I remember being 2-0 up and looking at the clock and I remember it clearly, thinking, Christ almighty, we've got 82 minutes to hold on. <laughs> you, when you go 2-0 up in a game, you think, in my mind, I was thinking, geez, we're going to win here. Yeah. I remember thinking that. And I remember going up for a corner and having a header cleared off the line by Kieran Gibbs. For three. I think it... I think about it probably every day. I think what would it, what if I dropped over the goalkeeper and went into the bottom corner? But your connection was good. Yeah, it, came, he, it was a great he clearance. Excelled rather, yeah. yeah, it was a great clearance off the line. I remember thinking if only that had went in, but they got a goal. I give the free kick away actually. Alan McGregor should have saved it though, so I'm not, I'm not taking all the responsibility. <laughs> and they, they, it was two one at half time, and it was. But I mean, okay. And then it, it, the it, guy who pops that away, Cazorla's a magician. Yeah, but still. Yeah. Yeah, you know, running games with half a leg yeah. at Villarreal when he shouldn't really be walking—he's yeah. just a magician. So he I was. accept that you're playing against magical footballer. Yeah, and but then we conceded towards the end of the game, made it two-two, took two extra time, and then we conceded in the second half of extra time. I think it was when yeah, Ramsey stuck it in. Ramsey. So it was a, it was a disappointment in the end, but when I look back on it, it was without a shadow of a doubt the whole spectacle of it, the FA Cup. I remember Steve Harper saying to me after we won the semi-final. Just look forward to the final, lads, because he'd played a couple of, a couple of with uh, Newcastle, because that's the, the finals like what we've just experienced there, but on steroids, and that was the best way anyone could have described the, the day, the FA Cup final. Everything about it was just amazing. We had a really good dressing room actually. I've often spoke about playing for my dad. Obviously, being the manager's son, it can be difficult in no matter what line of work that you're in. But that dressing room was was great at handling that situation of me being in there. We had some good characters and um, really good set of lads.
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So that... That is an issue. If you've got ability, it really shouldn't matter if the manager's your dad. Or not. Yeah, yeah, no, no. I'm but like, you, you found when well, you talked about people kicking you, mm. or being told to kick you, or looking forward to kick you, just because you're Steve Bruce's son. Yeah, that was when I was young. Yeah. I, listen, you come to terms with that pretty quickly, or you don't survive, right? Of course you do. I mean, it it gave me an insight from early doors where, like what I touched the base on before, it's, it's difficult to become a footballer and. When I was a kid, I remember, like what you say, I remember playing in games where young lads, 10, 11-year-old, would come up to me and say, Steve Bruce's son, I'm, I'm going to kick shy out of you today. I've been told by my dad on the touchline he's a Liverpool fan or a City fan. Or, I'd be like, all right, OK. And nine times out of ten, it would, it would happen, you know. So it, 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 it toughened me up. It was, a, it was a good learning curve for Can me. Can you remember dealing with that at 11 or 12? And, and what you, how you reacted. Uh, because that goes beyond football. If somebody's out to get you in life, yeah. we all react differently. And can, I be honest, can I be honest, Graham? I was, I was very good when I was 11. I was, I, Dad'll tell you himself, I, I was a striker and I, used to, I scored all the goals for my county, my district. And, and I had a couple of years and Dad would tell you himself, he'd come and watch and I'd, I'd, I'd score. We'd play Liverpool boys, for example, from my district, Stockport boys, and we'd go and score. I'd score four, we'd win 4 0. And then the following week, we'd go to St Helens and we'd win 2 0. I'd score two. And th- this happened every week. So, and I think I, I knew I had ability. Mm-hmm. But then when I got to 14, I don't know what happened to me, but I, I went from being pretty much top of the tree in, of my age group to near enough the bottom. I didn't grow. 
I lost my balance. I was absolutely useless, low on confidence. Got released from Man United uh, at 16, and it it was it was it was tough, really tough. I got a lifeline and went to Blackburn at 16, and I got my strength. Left home, moved into digs. Moved, I moved into a lodge with 25 lads in Blackburn on the Blackburn training ground. Mm-hmm. I left the boy and I was a man within a couple of weeks of living with all the lads and. It, that was a different experience. Fending for yourself. Fending for myself. And I, I just got my confidence back, and whether it was a change of scenery, moving home, whatever it was, I got my confidence and gained a little bit of strength. And I got back a little bit of what I felt I had at 11, mm. 12 year old. I don't know if it was a growth spurt or what it was. When I went to Blackburn and I was in digs, it was you're on your own now. And I was with a couple of tough fellas, Bobby Downs, Robert Kelly, really good. Um, Youth team coaches were very successful at Blackburn at the time. They, was, they were often getting to the FA Youth Cup finals and winning leagues at that, that under-17s, under-19s. I couldn't have wished for a better education in what it took to be a professional footballer. I went from Man United where it was all technical and academy football where you, you go in a couple of nights a week after school to work on your skills. And I went from that to leaving school and all of a sudden it was a, a results-driven industry where it was we need to win. And we were playing for our livelihoods really rather than just enjoying it. And it put a steely determination in myself. We went on and won the league, the FA Premier League, under-19 level. We got to FA Youth Cup finals. And I signed my first professional contract at Blackburn. I signed a new three-year deal. And that was when I f- started feeling like I was over the, over the difficult period of between 14 and 16. It's a hell of a test for yeah, any was, human being. I yeah, think to, was, to feel, um, I can do this, I can do this, now I can't. Yeah. What's the cause? What do I do? How didn't, do I react? Didn't know what it was. Other people fold. Mm. Yeah, maybe it was. Maybe I had an inner determination to think, oh, do you know what I think it was, Graham? I think it was getting released from Man United. Um, that, that put something in me where I thought I'm going to prove them wrong. We have sponsors, and Bet365 have sent questions in. Best player you've played with or against? Both, if they come to mind. Best player I've played against? Oh, it's a tough one. I'd have to say Ronaldo, purely because of what he's gone and achieved. I played against him when he was obviously at Man United. He was just phenomenal, and he's... Um, what he's gone and achieved at every club he's been at and every country he's been to and he's doing it in Italy now and obviously what he achieved in Spain and at, in, at Manchester so I'd probably say he's the best because of what he's done in his career um, How did you try to do when was he always your duty when you played against him or was he coming in from wide he was, he was coming, I came on yeah. against him at right back uh, once and I think he was playing on the left yeah. he might have been just swapping sides yeah. whatever, whatever he chose to do Thierry Henry when he was at Arsenal, was phenomenal. I remember playing against him and just thinking, wow, how quick is he? Because his pace was just electric. He'd be right up there as well. I've been fortunate enough to play against some top, top players. Ryan Giggs was a personal hero of mine growing up. He was always someone who I, who I loved as a kid. Always wore number 11 on my back as a kid growing up. Obviously, he was a fantastic player. But if I was going to pick one, I'd probably have to say Ronaldo. Wayne Rooney. Wayne's a good mate of mine as well. Wayne's underestimated, don't you think? Totally underestimated. And let me tell you, one of the greatest players England have ever produced, in my opinion. Yeah. I, was, I played against him all the time. We have a running joke, actually. We hated each other growing up as kids. Really? He used to be a little pain in the ass. You know what I say about trying to kick Steve Bruce's son? He was, the, he was the, one of them. And he always says, when he was a kid at Everton... We used to play against you, Brucey, and we say we're gonna get stuck into that Steve Bruce's son today. And um, and now I actually have a joke with him. Now he's a really good pal of mine, and um, 
I say, oh, no, you see, you're going to get your comeuppance because you've got four or five sons yourself and you get the, you're going to have the same. There's Wayne Rooney's lads and there are, there are people who are going to want to kick lumps out of them. So it goes full circle, you I, know? I'd say he'll be teaching them. Yeah, and they can carry a dig, some of them. He's spoken all the a lads. lot about how boxing helped yeah. him. Our kids go to the same school and I see them. They've, uh, yeah, they've definitely got his genes. You talked about Cristiano and his legacy, the way people regard him. Is pretty much un, untouched. Mm-hmm. He's never going to be satisfied because he openly said, "I want to be regarded as the best player ever." Yeah, not now. Mm-hmm. That was his goal, and he's spoken about that. Therefore, I don't think he gets the appreciation he thinks he deserves. But if you talk about his athleticism and height and power, yeah. that links him to Thierry Henry. Yes, unbelievable athleticism, brilliant power in his own way, um, able to do just about everything on a pitch, and. Ryan maybe hasn't got the same power, but like you know, nobody's had more Premier League appearances than him. His trophy yeah. hall is absolutely incredible. He's the only one that touches, you know, yeah, Danny Alves yeah. or Iniesta in terms of total trophies won. I think when you look at the, his build, though Ryan's build, he was slight and he was he had a, a great balance about the way he ran and moved. And when you look at the way his frame is compared to say a Wayne, for example, who that's was what I was stocky, coming to. Yeah, it's. I think that's part of people's. Genetics and the makeup of the. But, like, it's part of why people don't properly appreciate how extraordinary a footballer he's been, I think. Yes. To sustain it for the, the amount of time that Ryan did to the age that he was at, you have to be something special. And but, you have to be. Don't mean to be disrespectful in any way, shape, or form here by saying this, but you have to be lucky not to get injuries as well. I think Ryan was lucky where he never had any serious injuries where it could have affected him in that respect. But. I always felt that one of the things was his hurdling because people tried to put them on him. Yeah. And, and it wasn't just Especially pace. when he was younger. He, he was really clever about how he got over a lunging leg. Yeah. And it, I don't know if it's... I've never asked him about whether it's peripheral vision mm-hmm. or whether it's just that little ability balance. to the ball where you can leap. Yeah, yeah. Balance was incredible. You try to kick him and he, he would just skip hurdle you. You couldn't get near him. Well, which no. was why probably he didn't get injured because... He was so good at it. And, and I think Ryan was such an intelligent player. He moved with the times as well. I mean, when he first broke on the scene, he was an electric left-winger dribbler. And as he got older, he kind of moved into more of a central role and he had just as good of an impact on the team as a flying winger as what he did moving into like a number 10 role or a more central role where he could see a pass. I remember him slipping a pass through to Michael Owen in the Manchester derby uh, where Michael Owen got the winner. It was one of in the best three-two games. Three-two game. Unbelievable. It's one of the best match. passes you, you'd ever see, probably. And there's only players with certain ability, and Ryan was what definitely one of them. So, nobody that listens to this will let me off. They come looking for me. If I don't get you to tell them what it was like being kicked by a 16-year-old Wayne Rooney or 14-year-old Wayne Rooney, and he wouldn't have, t- he wouldn't have been the, one of the ones I'm guessing to come up and tell you. No, no, he wouldn't tell you. No, it was just done. Oh, he was a phen- he was a phenomenal talent, but he was as. Did you, first of all, were you marking him? Uh, believe it or not, no, I wouldn't have been marking him because I, I kind of started as a winger, so as, 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 as a forward, and then I moved back to midfield, and then it wasn't until I got to like 19, 20-year-old where I, I started playing centre-half regular. So we weren't like directly against each other, but Wayne was one of them we'd run all over and just tackle everyone on the team. He had such a determination about himself and um, just a phenomenal talent and a, and a drive that was just incredible. The last thing to ask you is that you know you're an elite player, international. Um, you played in the last game Wayne Rooney ever had at Old Trafford, um, which is Michael's testimonial. But you've you've racked up you know, a few hundred games in the Championship. 
and it's a phenomenon. The championship is a phenomenon. Yes, it's it's like an ugly, nasty beast mm-hmm. which will devour you if you're not ready. Yeah, try to put into words for people listening what it's like. This incessant game after game. Every time you turn the corner and you think, well, we've put two wins together, the next game coming around the corner is, is a group of angry men wanting to yeah. snap at your heels. No rest. Yet it's a phenomenon full of old-fashioned stadiums of big clubs with passionate fan bases, Leeds fans. You can't wait to get out of, back to Chef Wed, whatever. Yeah. It, it must just about devour you, the Championship. Physically, the Championship's a lot harder than the Premier League. No doubt about it. You play. That was the one thing I, when I got out of the championship and went to the Premier League, I remember thinking, you get punished more because the the elite players will, put, will hurt you more. Error wise. Error wise. Yeah. But in terms of physical demands, the championship brings Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. There's just no rest. Now it has its advantages and its disadvantages because if you have a bad game, for example, you only have to wait a couple more days to get to get it out of your system. It's just a, a physical and emotional marathon. It's the only way I can describe it where it was, it's, it's relentless, one of the toughest leagues in the world. And it's always very tight as well. So you know if you go on a good run, you can climb the table over a period of a couple of weeks, four or five games. And then likewise, you can be doing well one minute and then all of a sudden you can drop eight, nine places because you've, you've lost two, three games. An absolute head wrecker, to be honest with you. <laughs> it's a great expression. <laughs> head wrecker. But because um, you're a competitive man. Yeah. Um, coming from that lineage, from what you experienced, Man United to Blackburn. Yeah, maybe it brings out the best in. in, in yeah, people like I loved you. it. I loved it, and I, and I miss it because obviously when you, you you take it for granted the years where you're playing it. The, I was fortunate enough to play in the Championship and the Premier League for a, for a long time, and they were great times. And you, you 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 take them for granted when you've when you when you're just used to it. But it's going to war every weekend. It's war, absolute war every weekend, and you can never call the result. I mean, the amount of times. Well, I've gone into a game thinking, oh, we'll win today, and you end up getting your asses kicked. Where are the scorpions in your underpants? Where are the horrible places that you've been in? Where you like? I always used to have an absolute beast at Southampton. Plymouth, when we got down to Plymouth, when they had a decent team with Ian Holloway in charge. It was it's just a one-hour journey one there, so if you've lost, it's not a long journey. <laughs> the journey was a killer. I remember going to Leeds. When I was at Leeds, we went to Millwall away, which was Whoa. a war. I think I've seen that. Well being. I think if someone asked me to describe anything about Millwall, which sums it up, I'd be able to tell you what the medical room's like perfectly <laughs> because I've, I've had stitches every time I've been down there. Every time I've played there, I've had to come away with a cut head or a cut knee, whatever it may be. It's just ferocious, the, the atmosphere, and it was, it was a great place to come play. Particularly when it's Leeds. If it's Leeds if coming it down. Leeds, yeah. It was just a, an incredible atmosphere. Bit of a throwback, really. Pitches? What are the pitches like? Are they all uniformly good? I don't think so. All the pitches are good now, Graham. I mean, well, it would be very difficult to tell you what's a bad pitch now, Premier League, Championship-wise. Championship as well? Championship as well. There's some really good stadiums, and there are all these Deso pitches now. They're a lot harder than what they were when I first started playing, a lot more forgiving. What's the term used there? Deso pitches where they've got, hybrid of, they've got like a hybrid of yeah, natural artificial grass and, and yeah. natural grass and it allows it to be a bit more sustainable where you, they don't cut up as easily. Leeds fans, when you go back to the island or when you went back to Elm Road, how did they treat you? Um, one of our own? Or <laughs> no, it wasn't one of their own. I never was really, I don't think, to be honest. Too, too many United... Yeah, United. yeah, I made, it no, I made it no secret that I was a Man United fan. 
And obviously that's never going to get no, no, no. I tried, to, I tried to keep it under wraps, but obviously you can't nowadays with any, with anything. But and that me and Casper and Goal used to have some very, very funny chants for us both about our dads. Listen, great club to play for. I think when you're a footballer, my my belief is it's a short career, so grab every opportunity with both hands. And when the opportunity came to play for Leeds, it was a fantastic club. It was a bit in turmoil at the time, behind the scenes, upstairs. It was. Everyone knows the problems that they've had. It was the chops and changes and managers, players constantly in and out of the door. Um, but yeah, really good club. The last one then. Well, apart from saying, um, good luck in Scotland. Thank you. I wish that my native country produced footballers that would dribble around you and test you more. But <laughs> no, it's going to be the ball coming at you from out of the clouds. It's a bit like the championship, really. Battle We've every week. We've lost our way a little bit. Mm. I hope things are getting better. I hope you enjoy it a lot up here. The weather doesn't get better than this. This is actually beautiful. Today. I was going to say, it's quite yeah, mild you, today. You're here long enough to know. I'll, I'll finish with our sponsors who've asked me, I think sort of poignantly, what's the happiest day in football you've ever had? Bet365 want to know the moment when you can look back and say that's the happiest I've ever My happiest day in football, football, without a shadow of a doubt, was the day we got our first promotion at Hull. Um, we were 66-1 to 1 outsiders, I think, at the start of the season. I'd left Leeds on a free, went with my dad, but I, I felt as if I was a, a, a decent championship player at the time. I was confident to go and play for him. And then to have a season like what we had, we had some good players, and then to, to clinch promotion on that last game of the season, I think you, you might remember it, where the Leeds-Watford game was going 15 minutes longer than, than when our game finished and we were waiting on the result. I think we needed a, a Leeds draw or a Leeds victory meant we were promoted. There was a 15-minute stoppage time and I was looking around the KC Stadium. There was, there was lads hiding in cupboards, not being not bare and able to watch the results coming in. And when the news filtered through, that uh, it was the result we wanted. And the, the stadium went up and we were all jumping about celebrating. It was, uh, was fantastic. And, and to do it with my dad as the manager was, was even better. Alex, that's been an absolute pleasure. Top man. And an education. Top man. Thank you for listening to The Big Interview. It's produced by me, which sounds egotistical, but it's also true, Graham Hunter, and Backpage. Our music is by Beer Jacket, who else? Editing by Charlie McGarry. Thank you to our hosts at Acast and our loyal sponsors at Bet365. We're also supported by our socios. Find out how to become a socio, how to support us, at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Here endeth the lesson. Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.